0: Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message.
1: If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Mark chapter 10, verse 49. Mark chapter 10, verse 49. And it reads, So Jesus stood still... Everybody say stood still. And he commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Rise, he is calling you. I like to... Just to talk for a few moments, if you will let me on that subject. And if we could, just bow our heads and pray for me in this moment. Be in my amen corner and pray that God would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. I pray, God, that your word would go forth without void, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, it would fall on good soil. God, that we would be uh, changed and challenged by your word today. God, use me as your vessel, Lord. Speak through me through the unction of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. In 2015, there was a documentary, and you can go ahead and start that. There was a documentary that came out called Landfill Harmonic. On the outskirts of Sunseon, the capital Paraguay, lies Katira the largest garbage dump of all of South America. Every day, three million pounds of solid waste gets dumped into Katira. There, in the midst of this wasteland, lies a town of about 2,500 families that live there. And although you can't really call it living, there is no electricity, there is no l- running water, There is no professions or local jobs there. In fact, most everyone there survives off of the trash. They survive off this trash each and every day. Life is marked by hopelessness and poverty. And above the slum lies the smell of decay and fire. If it rains, a nearby river overflows and floods the neighborhood. Each day, people search through this landfill for food for their own survival and recyclable materials which were they sort and sell for a few cents school is even canceled most days to make sure kids are able to help manage the large amount of trash brought there to outsiders, they described this little town as a place of poverty and filth, a place that smells miles away, a place that has little to no value, a place of nasty people who live in the trash. But one day, there was this man named Fabio Chavez who visited Catira, and like most, he was horrified by the living conditions there the smell the over flooded river the children who were living in the stuff young people who seem to have been left somewhere on the edge of society between mountains and rubbish forgotten and thrown away many living day to day living off of crime doing drugs fighting having no hope no future and no purpose just trash Chavez was a professional musician who was so inspired by these young people that he decided, I'm going to give this trash a purpose. So without any type of funding, he decided to open up a small music school to teach children music in that city. However, he quickly realized that there was no instruments for these children. So like everyone else, he went to the landfill. He and a friend named Cola searched the trash to see what they could repurpose into instruments. They use anything they could find from old paint cans and baking trays used to make violins to old drums, uh, old dr- oil drums used as bodies of cellos, tuning pegs made of old hairbrushes and spoon handles, plastic bowls turned into tam- uh, tapini rain pipes into trumpets, drums made with x-rays as linings, saxophones cobbled together from keys and bottle caps and buttons, and guitars made from packing crates and tin cans. They took what was available to them and they gave it a purpose. Mr. Chavez took these makeshift instruments, these hopeless young people, and gave them a sound. There in the midst of this trash, he created an orchestra called the Landfill Harmonic. Today, the Landfill Harmonic crew travels the world playing shows with these thrown away instruments, what most people would have looked at as trash, without hope, without future, without purpose. Chavez looked beyond what was to what could be. Today, we live in a throwaway culture. If something is damaged, if something is broken, if something doesn't serve you purpose, we tend to, without question, let it go without regard or regret. Amazon will bring you something new, brand new tomorrow with just a click of a button. If it breaks, you throw it away. If something new comes out, you trash the old. And whether or not we realize it, it's become a part of our culture and our routine. We tend to see things that are broken or used up as something with little to no value. A few months ago, Amber and I decided to take a huge endeavor and clean out our basement. Yeah. We didn't realize the mounds and mounds of junk that we've collected almost 10 years it's been a few years since we decided to clean it out, and little do we know that this little rift, this cleaning would cause. While doing so, we realize that we don't see eye to eye on a few things. <laughs> Amber, she likes to keep things. I like to get rid of things. Now, I'm usually pretty lenient on some, some stuff, pictures and a few memorabilia, but here and there, and I, and I had to draw the line somewhere, and if Amber had it her way, we would just buy a storage unit and put it all in that. <laughs> Quick show of hands, how many people are like that? It's hard for you to get rid of things. All right, yes, you exist. You probably have a McDonald's cup in your car from last year, right? You're going to use it some, someday. How many people like to get rid of things, like to clean house a little bit? All right, the normal people. All right, we're on the same page. (laughs) Our biggest thing that we got caught up on was Amber used to be in little girl pageants, and she had these dresses that she loved so dearly. And she thought, I'm going to give these dresses to Raya one day, and uh, she'll wear them, and yeah, all you girls are agreeing with it. But let me tell you, these dresses had stains on them. These dresses did not look as pretty as you may think for a pageant. And so we made an agreement that you can have one dress that you will keep. And she actually agreed to that. There was a lot of stuff we were getting rid of. So that was was pretty good. And so I'm a little embarrassed by this, but we had so much stuff down there that we didn't want to load the trash, you know, the trash people with all of our stuff. We would have filled the entire, you know, block if we would have done that. So we decided to leave half of it out. And then the other half we left in our garage till like next week, you know, we're not trying to be that family or anything. And little did you know that those pageant dresses that were supposed to be in the trash, somehow some way made their way back into the house, into the basement. Amber and I do not see eye to eye on things that we value. However, in the Bible, it's very clear. God does not see eye to eye with people and how he values them as well. There was a man named Bartimaeus. I'm actually going to invite my friend Bartimaeus up here. Come on up, Ignacio. Can we give him a hand? Bartimaeus, here you go. You can just put that on sit down. We planned this out. Bartimaeus had a lot to deal with. He he did not get dealt the, the best deck of cards, as you can tell. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Bartimaeus, except the fact that he was blind. He was not only blind, but just assuming and doing a little bit of research, his parents died and he had no one to take care of him. So... The leaders in the city, the leaders in the city gave him a special coat to wear. Now, this coat wasn't a nice, pretty coat like Joseph had or anything to that nature. But instead, during this time, the city would pass out these coats for people who were authorized to go sit on the side of the street and beg. They were told to wear this coat. This coat was his identity. Each day he would wake up and depend upon someone else's charity to lead him to the side of the road where he would have to sit and collect dust from his head to his toes. He would have to beg for money just to get him by or food to feed him for that day. He would hear people talk down about him as they walked by. He would hear as they would walk to the other side of the road to avoid him as well. Each and every day, he would have to beg someone yet again to take him home as well. Day by day and night by night, Bartimaeus would follow this routine, a life without hope, a life without purpose, a life at rock bottom. Now, you don't have to raise your hand here in this room, but has anyone ever felt like they hit rock bottom? Anybody who felt in the last two years found themselves down and looking up for answers or for help. No optimism, wondering if we would ever get back to what is normalcy, emotionally, spiritually, physically hurt, down, looking for anything that may help. Is anybody like that in this room here tonight, today, I should say? Can I be transparent with you for a moment? I found myself at rock bottom a day or two or ten A lot of times in my life where I found myself at rock bottom, it's nothing to brag about, but I'm just being real. Some things that were out of my control, things I didn't ask for, and yes, there was quite a few things that I put myself in that position as well. There have been rough days and stretches in my life that seemed like they would never end. One day, and I'll just bring up a funny point before we get to a serious point. One day, he doesn't even know this, but me and Ben went out to eat for lunch. And on that morning, I decided to uh, head into work and I got a flat tire. It was a bad start to the day. And not just to add that up. Uh, it, there was some stuff going on. I I, I I had some stuff going on in my mind and different things like that. But I had plans to meet Ben for lunch. We went to a Mexican restaurant. But I beat him there probably for about five minutes before he got there. And he doesn't know this. And I don't know why I'm telling you this. this is kind of embarrassing. But just to add the cherry on top, I decided to get out of the car and go into the restaurant. And then I got hit in the face with something. What was that? Well... It's not raining outside, and there's a bird that just happened to fly by. Now, this has never happened to me before. I know there's probably a few of you out there where it's happened and maybe it landed on your shoulder, but right here, right there. So, like anybody else, it was just a bad day. It was, it was a, it was a rock bottom moment. You're just like, you know what? I'm gonna go in there. I'm gonna wash it off. Not gonna tell him. Now he's looking at me like, ha! I should have. You probably didn't notice something on me that day. But I want to talk for a few moments here about another time in my life where I was a teenager and I hit rock bottom. I was depressed. I was anxious. I felt lonely. I felt lonely for quite a long time. I couldn't get happy. You could put a Crave case in front of me and a large Coke, and it still would not make me smile. Felt like my life was in shambles. Are there any real people out here who who might have found themselves in a rough spot, depressed, family members maybe passing away, you lost your job, finances looked rough, addictions had a hold on you, you found yourself at rock bottom. Today I want to encourage you and tell you that I've got good news for you and our friend over here, Bartimaeus. You see... Just because you're at rock bottom, just because life threw you a curveball, just because you slipped up and you did something you shouldn't have, it doesn't mean that it's the end of your story. It doesn't mean that it's over for you. In fact, this is a divine place for you in your life because now God can operate in you and through you. What seemed to be like just another routine of uh, barely getting by and a change on the dime because of a man named Jesus showed up. And when Jesus shows up, things begin to change. Even though Bartimaeus could not see, he could feel the multitudes of steps heading his way. Even though he could not see, he could hear the conversations begin to change. And even though he could not see, the atmosphere felt a little bit different than normal. So out of this curiosity, Bartimaeus begins to wonder and he starts to ask around, why, why is there a big crowd coming this way? Why are people whispering about this so-called Messiah? What, what is happening? What is going on? Will someone please tell me what it is? And the people respond to him in this moment and said, oh, it's no big deal. It's just Jesus of Nazareth. It's just this Jesus guy passing through and people want to follow him. And at this point, you have to believe word had traveled through town and maybe all the way to a beggar like Bartimaeus who is listening to the conversations as they go by. I would imagine he's heard stories about Jesus by now. Stories of hope and stories of redemption. Stories that seem to be too good to be true. Is this the Jesus that I'm thinking about that healed the sick? Is this the Jesus that calmed the storm? Is this the Jesus who forgave the unforgivable and loved the unlovable and fed the 5,000? This isn't just some ordinary guy that is just passing through. Is this the Jesus who welcomed the outcasts and the broken? Who cleansed the leopard? Who cast out demons? Who raised the dead? Who opened up those who were deaf and could not hear? Who healed the blind? You're telling me that Jesus is here? That Jesus... I could imagine Bartimaeus' faith was building with each each passing step. He knew this would probably be his only opportunity to receive his miracle. He knew there was no way he was going to let this once-in-a-lifetime chance pass by. And he finally gets to the point where he's full of faith and without fear. And he screams out, Jesus, thou son of David. Have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. It is in this moment of faith that Bartimaeus doesn't ask for healing. He doesn't ask for a miracle in his life. He doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for bread. No, he screams out for mercy. Mercy. He may not have fully understood who Jesus was that day, but he knew that God was a God of mercy. He may have never read the scriptures with his own eyes, but he has heard the stories of how God used Noah who got drunk and was a sinner, but instead he tried to show he gave him mercy. He knows, he he heard the stories of Jacob who was a liar and deceiver, but God saw a new man in Israel and offered him... Mercy. And Moses, who was a murderer, but God saw a leader of a nation and he showed him mercy. He heard of Rahab, who was a prostitute, but God saw a hero who would tear down the walls of Jericho and showed her mercy. He heard of Samson, who was immoral and vile, but he, God saw a protector and a judge and gave him mercy. He knew King David, who was a righteous man, a man after God's own heart. He still fell into sin. And he still committed adultery and had a man killed. And guess what? God still showed him mercy. Over and over again, God saw mankind fall, fall short, sin, disobey, and turn their back on him. Yet he was faithful, he was just, and he continued to show mercy. You see, it's too hard for us to comprehend How or why? You can't explain it. You can't outrun it. We don't deserve it. But I'm thankful, amen, for God's mercy. God has been too good to me to not give him praise for what he deserves, amen? People may not understand it. You may, they may judge you, they may look at you silly, they may think that something's wrong with you, but they don't know, like I know, what the Lord has done for me. I wonder if there's anybody in the house that God has restored, that God has redeemed, that God has set free, that God has released from bondage, that God has came into your life and showed you mercy when you didn't deserve it. Thank you, Jesus. Has God been good to you, Calvary? Has God picked you up? Has God turned you around? Has he placed your feet on solid ground? You see, these types of songs are real movers in church because it connects the sinner and it connects the saint because we all have something in common. We need mercy. There's a, there's, there's songs that I love to sing. Like, uh, I, 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 you called my name and I ran out of that grave and you, you gave me a reason to dance. Why? Because I, my past is erased. My name is changed. Let's testify. I wonder on a Sunday morning if somebody would have the guts to stand up and say, thank you, Jesus. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you've been redeemed in the house, why don't you praise the Lord for a minute? Thank you, Jesus. Yes, God. If it had not been for the Lord, where would I be? I once was blind. But now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Anybody testifying here today? Yes, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. So as my friend Bart would scream out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I need somebody to be Jesus real quick. Give me, a, give me a young person. Come on. Can you give me a Jesus? Have Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. Loud as you can't. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? We got Jesus coming into town, and uh, we got Bartimaeus chilling over here, sunglasses and all. Sorry, I don't want to offend anybody, but trying to predict here. And Jesus is just heading through Jericho, and here we have Bartimaeus. Go ahead. Jesus, son of Just keep God, walking all the way have mercy on me. Amen. Jesus. Wait. Jesus didn't stop? Jesus didn't turn around and heal him? Maybe he didn't hear him. Why don't you do it again? Let's try it one more time. Can't hear you. That's right. You can go louder than that. You need the mic? Here you go. Let's get him the mic. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All right. See, what happened here is Jesus walked by. He's screaming for his life. He's screaming for mercy. He's screaming for love. He's screaming because he needs a miracle in his life. And Jesus, you know Jesus hears him. Jesus hears him. But what happens after he screams, "Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me?" The crowd around him begins to say, "Hey, stop bothering Jesus. Leave Jesus alone. He doesn't have time for you." Jesus doesn't he, he doesn't he doesn't want to come talk to you right now. Quit quit shouting, quit screaming after him. And what was Bartimaeus' response to that in this moment? What was his response? His response was, I have to be desperate enough where I can get Jesus' attention. See, I believe in this moment, Jesus was testing Bartimaeus to see how desperate he was for his miracle. And you see, sometimes, like us, in this life that we're in, we are in the midst of hurt and pain, and we will turn to Jesus and ask for help. And when Jesus doesn't respond in that moment and that next day, we decided, okay, I tried. Yeah. All right, come on. Right. Yep. I gave it a chance. That's all I can do. I tried to pray. I tried to seek help. Now, I, I'm going to take matters in my own hands because Jesus obviously did not want to answer this one. I will continue to live with this issue in my life. I will get used to this disability. I may be uncomfortable, but I'll adapt to this circumstance. I'll get another job to take care of my financial worries. I'll seek out medicine to heal my problems. This is just the thorn in my side that Jesus wants me to have. And the next time... I feel compelled to maybe pray for that same situation. Situation. I'll remember back when I prayed before and say, you know what? He didn't do it last time. He's not going to do it again. I'll remember that I already tried. Why would I waste my time? God wants me to live this way. But I've got news. That's not how the story ends. That's not how the story ends. And God wants you to live. He doesn't want you to live in despair. He does not want you to live without peace as we just sang about. He doesn't want his children to live in fear. John 16, says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Oh, you're not getting it. Be of good cheer, Calvary. I have overcome the world and because i have overcome the world you have victory you don't have to live in despair any longer you don't have to live with that affliction any longer you can have joy you can have peace you can have your healing you can have your miracle whatever you need god can restore and deliver you amen And if God wants you to have peace and he wants you to have victory in your situation, then we shouldn't settle for anything less. Luke 18 tells us of a parable of an unjust judge and a widow who is crying out for justice. And at first, the judge does not respond. He doesn't want to hear what she has to say. But the Bible says that she cried day, and she cried night, and she cried day, and she cried night, and she prayed day, and she prayed night, and she she was persistent on reaching that judge. She was so persistent that because of that, he responded and Listen to her call. Listen, Calvary. God will not ignore the persistent plea of his people. There is something to be said about those who are desperate. Those who reach a point where they have nothing to lose. Those who will do whatever it takes. It doesn't matter if I have to get loud. It doesn't matter who I need to knock over. It doesn't matter how I look. I need my miracle. Blessed are the desperate, for they'll tear down the roof of a house to see their friend healed. Blessed are the desperate, for they will push through the crowd to obtain their miracle. Blessed are the desperate, because they won't be offended by what drops on the floor, because the dogs even get to eat. They will gladly give up dignity, because their encounter with Jesus. They will break barriers. They will lay in dirt. They will climb up trees. They will go and step into a lake. They will not argue about what God has done or what he will do. Bless him are the desperate because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have the gospel being spread across the world. We wouldn't have missionaries all across the world because they're desperate to get the word out. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Go ahead and say it louder again.
0: Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me.
1: All right, be quiet, be quiet. Louder.
0: Jesus, son of
1: David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have Stop mercy on Stop doing that. Jesus doesn't want to talk to you. Jesus doesn't want to hear it. Jesus, Jesus he doesn't want to listen David, to have you. Mercy on me. Come on. Just, hey, keep your peace. Keep your peace. God doesn't want to bless you right now. God does not. And you know what happened after he kept doing it the second time? Jesus stood still is what the scripture says. What is it? Verse 49, I think. We put that up there real quick. Mark 10, 49, it says, Jesus stopped. He stood still and commanded him to be called. He stopped in his tracks the second time that he screamed out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, because they were pushing him down and telling him to be quiet. You're going to have people in your life who are going to try to push you down. They're going to try to tell you, listen, you don't need to go to church every Sunday. You'll be okay. You don't need to come up to this altar and pray and cry and weep and seek out what God has in store for you. Just let it go. There'll be people trying to keep your voice quiet. But I promise you, if you're desperate, Jesus would stop in his tracks for you. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. He's calling you. It's time to get up, Barnabas. It's time to get up from your slumber. It's time to get up, Calvary. You can't stay in lethargy any longer. You can't stay in self-pity anymore. You can't stay in pain and condemnation no more. It's time to get up. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to get up. Amen. Hey man, if you'll stay with, stand with me for a moment. What's amazing here in this moment is how Bartimaeus responds. He's told to get up and find Jesus. And in verse 50, it says, he rose and he came to Jesus. That's not all. It says he stood up he threw his garment to the side in jesus name. and he went and talked to jesus he threw his old identity away something that was undervalued something that people judged him about something that people labeled him as He threw it to the side because he knew Jesus had a new coat for him. Jesus responds to him in almost a pretty funny way. He says in verse 51, What do you need me to do for you? Bartimaeus, it's pretty obvious what you need. But what do you need me to do for you? Jesus knew what he needed. But he was more interested in hearing it from Bartimaeus' mouth. What is it, Calvary? What is it that that, that God can do for you in this moment? James says, we have not because we ask not. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. If Jesus was to ask you in this moment, what do you want me to do for you? I wonder how bold we would get with our prayers. I wonder what we would ask if Jesus was standing in front of us in this moment. I wonder if there will be somebody in this place who would have enough faith to tell the person next to them what they're going to pray for. So as musicians start playing and we begin to sing, I wonder we're going to have a little unorthodox kind of ending here. I'm not going to invite you to the front. Instead, I want you to find a place in this sanctuary where you can get alone with Jesus. If it's at your pew, if it's in the back, if it's at this altar, that's okay too. Jesus is here. You can feel his spirit. Just like Bartimaeus, he was blind, but he can feel the spirit of God passing by. We can feel the spirit moving in this place. The question is, what are you going to ask of him? Are you going to pray for that miracle that you've been longing for and you haven't prayed in a long, long time? Are you going to pray for healing? Are you going to pray for that lost loved one, that, that prodigal son to come back to church? The one that you might have gave up on? Are you going to pray for healing? Because he might need healing in the house. Are you going to pray for deliverance? You're going to pray to feel his spirit yet again. It's been a long time since you talked to God. I want to encourage you right now. He's here in this place. He'll listen to you, but he's waiting for your voice. He's waiting for you to respond. He's waiting for you to step out of your comfort zone and find a place to meet him. It's time for some of us to lay down the coats and the garments that we've been wearing, the bondage that has been holding us back, and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to be an empty vessel for you. Whatever you want to do in my life, I'm here. I'm available. God, I need you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that your spirit will move on this place, that miracles, signs, and wonders will take place, and that there will be a sense of boldness in this atmosphere, God. Boldness, Lord Jesus, to see their their community, their work, their school, lives changed, God, impacted by the gospel. I pray, God, for Oxford. I pray for, for Brookville, Lord Jesus. I pray for those who are dealing with sickness in their body, God. I rebuke cancer. I rebuke things that are coming against them right now, jesus i pray for the lost prodigal sons lord jesus and daughters who are here waiting lord god for the prayers to be answered i wonder for the next few moments as we begin to sing that you would find a place in here just to get in touch with god in the name of jesus
0: this podcast was brought to you by the calvary church in cincinnati ohio